today, one of our religious education classes is building things out of jello. Now, it's amusing to know that the inventor of jello was a Unitarian. <laughs> Industrial engineer Peter Cooper was founder of the Cooper Union for, Advanced Place, uh, for the Advancement of Science and Art, which still offers a free college education to both men and women. And the fourth through sixth graders who will learn about him today will perhaps be inspired by his example of generosity. But the teachers and I talked about the lessons in this curriculum and adding a little something more to them. So the class will also have another experience. Remember how I said they would be building things? Imagine for just a moment building something not out of bricks or stones, but out of jello. Perhaps not the easiest task in the world. So before they begin, the class will take a few minutes to talk about how we human beings deal with frustration and how we should and perhaps shouldn't express ourselves when we are frustrated. How even when we're going through a challenge, we still need to be with each other. I think adding to this lesson is a great model for what we need to be doing in religious education. You have asked me through congregational surveys, through conversations, through input from our dedicated RE committee, two things. You have asked me to help you create lifelong UUs. And you have asked me to teach life skills like conflict resolution and practicing spiritual disciplines. It seems to me that those skills, conflict resolution, spiritual disciplines, are the pathway we need to take to get to a lifelong commitment. Today, let's explore this together. When I think about creating lifelong UUs, I think about two things. I think about the gap, and I think about nourishing our spirits for a lifetime. The gap is something that First Parish in Cambridge already deals with very well. It's that age gap that Unitarian Universalists all over have noticed happens sometime between youth group and having children. We lose a lot of UUs in the intervening years. Here in Cambridge, we have our challenges with building a youth group, but we're blessed with a lot of people who fall into that usual gap age bracket, and we're blessed with a dedicated young adult group. For those of you who don't know, that was my introduction to First Parish 15 years ago when I moved here from Texas. I was embraced by a warm and vibrant group that had weekly activities ranging from service to discussion to worship. First Parish nourished me and sent me out into the world. And here I still am. 
while I wasn't brought up UU, that young adult experience fed me so much that I'm back here today. So, while perhaps we don't have the classic age gap here, we still have that second question of nourishing our spirits for a lifetime. What a complicated question. One answer is spiritual practice in community. The spiritual disciplines we're asking for for our children are also an answer for adults. I'm struck sometimes by the difference in expectations and experiences for children and for adults. In RE, we try hard to make sure we're teaching to all the intelligences that we can. We make sure there are pipe cleaners and crayons during a discussion. We check in with each other to build community and compassion. We cater to the mathematical mind with architecture, star charts, and deconstructing computers. We build in songs, stretches, and walks outside. We worship on yoga mats, and we create art. We are kinesthetic and interpersonal. To keep our kids for a lifetime, we need to ensure that what we're offering when children come out the other end of the program is a match. Because for adults, we have our beautiful worship together and we work on committees. I'm delighted to say we also have covenant groups. It lets small groups develop deep relationships with a focus on spirituality rather than the logistics of church management. But please consider, is First Parish giving you an opportunity for deep and personal spiritual exploration? Are we inviting you to participate when you're enthusiastic and fresh? Are we paying attention to burnout, to your joy, or your despair? Are we upholding each other's spiritual practice? I ask us to consider this. Weekly attention to your spirit is not enough. I call on you to take time every day for a spiritual practice. Choose a practice and expect your UU community to hold you responsible to it. Let's get a little closer to each other and truly get to know each other. Let's be comfortable asking, how's your prayer life? How's your meditation practice? I know you were busy today. Did you sit? What are you knitting right now? And you also asked me about conflict resolution. Jello is a start. 
When we give children safe places to take small steps towards managing their emotions in social situations, it's a start towards conflict resolution. The challenges we give them can grow as they grow. And sharing our spiritual disciplines, our commitment, and the challenges we go through to keep our commitments are another way. I want to share with you an inspiration that came from reading to my kids at bedtime from the Laura Ingalls Wilder series, Little House on Prairie. It was pretty stormy at the end of December and beginning of January this year, and I was feeling sorry for myself, shoveling this heavy stuff in the morning, or all bundled up waiting at the bus stop for my kids, walking three blocks to school in the snow and wind. And then we got to the sixth book in the series. It's called The Long Winter. In the Dakota Territory, Laura and her family survived through the worst blizzard season in 49 years, in a time when the main form of transportation is horse and buggy. Their small frontier town depends on food and coal deliveries from back east, where the land is cultivated. But this winter, the snow and the cold are too much for the newfangled technology of trains to get through. So the Ingalls family survives by having Pa drive his team of horses out to the hayfield every day and bring enough hay back to be twisted into sticks for their fire. And Laura spends her days twisting hay or grinding wheat into flour while she listens to the blizzard's whistle. There's no time for anything else, just survival. But still, her family manages to sing, to recite poems, to be kind to each other, and to give compliments on the meager fare, which decreases to the point of eating two meals a day and going to bed at 4 p.m. They're a constant reminder and a reinforcement to each other to keep hope and perspective alive. Wilder writes, I'm so tired of brown bread with nothing on it, Laura said. Don't complain, Laura, Ma told her quickly. Never complain of what you have. Always remember, you're fortunate to have it. Laura had not meant to complain, but she did not know how to explain what she had meant. She answered meekly, Yes, Ma. Then, startled, she looked at the wheat sack in the corner. There was so little wheat left in it that it lay folded like an empty sack. Ma, she exclaimed, did you mean... Pa had always said that she must never be afraid. She must never be afraid of anything. She asked, how much more wheat is there? I think enough for today's grinding, Ma answered. 
Pa can't buy any more, can he? Laura said. No, Laura. There's no more in town. Ma laid the slices of brown bread carefully on the oven grate to toast for breakfast. They did manage to survive that winter. And after reading about it, instead of thinking how cold I was outside for a couple hours, I had some perspective. I was humbled. And I knew that if they could survive brown bread for months on end, eating themselves in front of the stove between every chore, it was a simple thing for me to buck up about shoveling for a little while, because I could run inside when I was done, take off my Gore-Tex mittens, and have some hot chocolate. I could certainly keep from complaining, if they could. And I could certainly stick to my spiritual discipline and help guide the children here through any conflicts we might see. So I invite each one of you to be inspired by her words and to be role models to our children for the same. I also invite you as you leave today during coffee hour to take a step past the snacks and into the library and look there for the picture of religious educator Elizabeth Anastas. As I wrote my sermon, I was so pleased to find her quote there and see how well it fits with the thoughts I've shared with you today. And I hope you'll enjoy a moment there to consider the long view we must take together. From her thoughts that have helped shape us to today, to the welfare of those that are yet beneath the surface of the ground. Amen.